Judge from Top Fight Elite, Mr. Chris McSwain. Chris, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Great to see you guys. And 56 episodes is amazing. Uh, you know, congrats to you guys for 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 doing all of this and all the success that you guys have. Um, you know, being a being a new business and a company. So I'm excited for you guys. Thank you. It's been an incredible journey so far, and we're excited to have 56 more. But first off, introduce yourself and tell us what you're doing in the sports community out here. Yeah, uh, my name is Chris McSwain. Uh, I'm the director and founder of Top Flight Elite. Um, and it's actually our, the first company that we started was Top Flight Sports. And we really wanted to be a, uh, you know, uh, a community-driven program to help athletes. And most importantly, um, you know, develop them not just on the court or on the field, but actually, you know, use these life lessons that will in turn help you in your career. And uh, yeah, so I, I had that, that idea even when I was back in high school. And then after I was done with my playing career, a group of our uh, high school friends, kind of like you guys, um, got together and uh, we decided we wanted to do something great in our community. And, um, you know, we've been doing that for the last, well, over 11 years. Um, I've been coaching high school. This would have been my 17th year if we have a season. Um, but uh, yeah, so just a, a group of a group of young guys at the time wanted to start something really cool in our area. And uh, it's kind of branched off into to many different arenas. But uh, that's kind of the lay of the land. You're on mute, Chris. Oh, I'm muted there, my bad. But <laughs> let's go back to, you kind of mentioned how you got this idea started back in high school a little bit with some of your buddies growing up. How did this idea first come about for me and what made you know that this idea would be successful in this region? Yeah, so uh, when we were when we were in, well, right after we got done with high school, um, you know, you got a couple of different options. I wanted to continue playing. And so uh, while I was at junior college, I would uh, work and referee for the city of Campbell and um, learn the basketball officiating game. And so I would do that. And then we would ref NJBs was one of my best friends every single weekend just to earn some extra cash. And at that point, when you're, you know, a freshman in college, you get, you know, $200 a day for refereeing. It's like, hey, great. This is a, this is a great way to kind of, you know, you get to stay in shape, be around the game, and then you also uh, get paid to do it. So um, we did that. And, um, I also was the director of sports camps for the city of Campbell throughout my four. And then the fifth year when I graduated, I did it one more year. So we did the basketball camps. We did the sports camps there. Um, and that was kind of what ignited me. One of my um, mentors, uh, John Arugio, he was the director and facilitator of all the recreation at that place uh, and at Campbell. And uh, he just kind of showed us the ropes and, and what to do and how to do it and, you know, how to, how to make sure that you're a professional in all the situations that you have. Um, and then most importantly, have, letting the kids have fun and have a great experience in the program. So that was kind of the, um, that was kind of the forefront to what happened. And uh, as soon as I was done in college back in uh, 2005, I was started coaching um, at Del Mar High School, uh, started coaching the JV team there. And from there, you know, started helping out with the varsity and things like that. And um, I started working with this other youth program in the area. And I said, hey, you know, there were some kids that we were training um, and they wanted a team. And so, you know, we decided to come up with top flight and, um, you know, we wanted the whole full academy, football, basketball, baseball, you name it. 
Um, but we started off with basketball and uh, from from there, you know, we had one team, one team turned to three, three turned to 12 and then 12 turned to 20. And um, before the pandemic, we were on schedule for 40 teams on the basketball side last year. And then you kind of talked about it a little bit, but from the start all the way to now, you've seen basketball grow from one to 40 or what was planned to be 40 teams this year. But how else mm -hmm. have you seen the kids grow in the program and just the basketball itself here in the Bay? Uh, well, I think it's a two-part question. Uh, the most important par part is the relationships that you build over this time period. So, you know, uh, that the first kind of groups that we have, these kids are now 24 years old. You know, I've seen them at 11 and 12. And now these kids are graduated from college or getting their master's degrees or what, or what have you. And so a lot of them will come, come and work our camps. Uh, and you just kind of see the growth that they perform and they kind of go to multitude of different schools and whether it be private or public. Um, and then you just see them grow as individuals. And that's super, super important for me. A lot of these kids were at my wedding, um, you know, eight years ago when I, when I initially got married. Um, and, that's been really cool to kind of see them grow and see them, you know, finding uh, significant others and um, just going on to do really great things in their own life. Um, and just having a hand in that just really brings you, a, really lights up your soul when you can do that for other people. Um, and they were probably going to do that anyway, but if you had a small hand in it, I think that's uh, extremely rewarding. Um, and then secondly, basketball has really exploded. When we first started, there was a couple club programs in our area, but now there's just so many more clubs. There's so many more kids that are attracted to playing it. Um, and it's just, you know, the, the NBA has really, has really begun, begun like America's pastime now. You know, football is still... Um, you know, what everybody watches and things like that, but more kids are playing basketball, whether that be with the potential head trauma or CTE that comes along with playing football. Um, you know, me personally, I played, you know, three sports in high school, but I don't know if I want my kid to play football unless he really wants to, um, because, you know, there's just so many things that go along with it. Now, if he wants to do it, I'm going to absolutely let him do whatever he wants to do. But uh, if he chose baseball or golf like you used to play, Gregory, um, that would be that would be cool too. But uh, yeah, just there's just so much excitement with basketball. It's it's uh, it's nonstop, 24-hour drama. You see the um, you see the summer of basketball. It's just amazing. And then uh, the last thing I'll say as far as like the development, there's just so many great tournaments now. Um, obviously outside of COVID, but before that. You know, our kids are traveling all over the country, um, whether that be Texas, whether that be Indiana, whether that be on the West Coast. Everybody goes to Vegas during the, during the summer. The summer league is there usually, obviously not the past two years. Huge tournaments with, um, you know, just 500, 600, 700 teams. It's just an amazing experience. And I think that's one of the ways or reasons why basketball has really thrived, um, you know, over the last decade, really. Yeah, and you mentioned something about the NBA too. Obviously, the Warriors have been on this run, dynastic run, the last you know five, six years with Steph. How have you seen basketball change since the Warriors started this run as well? Around? Well, the uh, you know the new age game, right? And um, it used to be where only tall players were the most effective, especially when you think about 
you know, when I was growing up in the, you know, uh, late 90s, and early 2000s, it was all about the bigs. It was all about being tall. But now you're seeing, uh, you know, multidimensional athletes like Giannis, like Kevin Durant, like LeBron. They're extremely large and they have so much skill. But then you also have somebody like Steph Curry, who has now really changed the game. And so little kids can identify with Steph because, hey, I might not be that tall. And Steph Curry is still 6'3", which is definitely taller than, than most people. But at the same time, they can identify with that. Hey, I can be that guy because if I work hard enough, maybe I might be able to shoot as well as him. Um, what they don't understand is Steph has really been working on his craft over and over and over and over daily, daily deposits. And you see the results, especially now when, when you can go five minutes without missing a shot that he just recently posted a few weeks ago, uh, or the Warriors just posted. Um, the level of detail in which that, that you have to have, uh, most people or most kids don't understand how hard that is to actually accomplish that goal. So um, I think the popular, uh, the popular nature of the sport is derived from now. Anybody thinks they have an opportunity because it's not just a size game anymore. Um, you see point guards really dominating the league, like Damian Lillard, Steph, um, all of these really dynamic guards. Now, do you think Steph should be MVP right now? Have a little fun right here. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the numbers that he's putting up, you know, people get excited when somebody shoots over 40% for one year. Uh, and Steph Curry has done that every single, and I'm talking about from three. He's done that every single year that he's been in the league. It's been, it's, it's, it's truly amazing what he does. He's, he, he, you have to start picking him up so early. Everybody is so worried about him and when he has the basketball in his hands. Uh, I absolutely think he's MVP. I think he's one of the top three best players in the league. And there's this thing, um, you know, the gravity, you know, the gravitational pull of the defense is always structured towards him. And that, that level of gravity is just, it, it just changes the game. And you can definitely see it in the games. Uh, but when you're in person, you definitely notice it too. Um, and it's just an amazing, um, uh, he's done so, so great. It's been great to see him uh, kind of do what, what he can do um, during this time. And especially with, you know, a couple injured, well, the main injured, injured player, which would be Clay Thompson. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate, though, because Oakland's own Damian Lillard, who you mentioned earlier as well, also having a great season. So is Damian Lillard maybe MVP? I don't know. Uh, he could be. Their team is doing a little bit better. I love Damian Lillard, too. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that say, oh, uh, I love Steph, but I'm, I'm going to poo-poo on Dame. Like, Dame is a, a fabulous player in his own right and uh, definitely deserving of, of uh, potentially being in the MVP race as well. Um, I just personally like Steph more, but, uh, but Damian, Damian Lillard is, is an amazing, amazing basketball player. I just love his demeanor. He's not, he's not taking any shortcuts, you know, and that's, that's what I really admire about him. And he's, he's just, uh, he's the real one for, for people that, uh, you know, 
that identify with that. Like he's just a real solid guy, and um, I love I love his game too. So definitely no slight to uh, to Dame Dollar, but I uh, you know I just I just love Steph. I've, I've been a Warriors fan my whole life. You know Warriors Giants. Uh, I'm just a Bay Area guy. Sharks, all all of that. I don't like I like different players, but I love our Bay Area teams. Have you seen Steph's just the Warrior stats? I should say War per 100 possessions with Steph on the court is I think 113.1. Then when he's off the court, that drops all the way to 100, and they have the worst offense in the league by far. I mean, his value is ridiculous right now. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, when you a 13 point differential is extremely huge, especially in the NBA when you know games are decided by a few possessions a lot of the times. So. Uh, last night's game was fantastic uh, with the uh, with the Heat, and um, he didn't play particularly well either. And, and uh, he still made some big shots down the stretch uh, in an overtime and kind of sealed it. So it, it's just good to see him. He has no conscience, and uh, that's what I like to tell our players too. Don't don't have any conscience if you really put the work in. Um, don't have that irrational confidence because you know you think you can shoot, but Steph actually can shoot. Now let's get back to top flight elite a little bit. So you, you've talked about the success and the growth of basketball in the Bay Area earlier in this podcast, but what about you all at top flight elite specifically? What's made you guys there, especially in the basketball sphere, so successful right now? You know, I think we've always tried to do things the right way. Um, first of all, bringing in great staff and, and people. Um, so many of our staff are high school coaches, whether that be at Los Gatos High School, Saratoga High School. Um, I'm at Valley Christian. Uh, we have coach at Midi. We have a coach at Bellarmine. Like, you know, that's, that's what Top Flight was. It was never um, steering any kids to a certain program. It was always just about benefiting the community the most uh, that we possibly can. And so um, that's, really, that's really what's given us success. We've got great people, great staff. Uh, great, great kids in the program and parents that support support division. And if you do it the right way, you know enough people will will talk about it. And you know we don't. Early on, we didn't have to do any marketing or anything like that. It was just all word of mouth. And hey, these guys are doing something a little bit different than everybody else is doing it. And we're taking the approach that um, there's two things that we want that we want to happen. The first is. Uh, and this is our this is our report card every season. Did the kids have fun? Did they enjoy themselves? You know that's super important because why else are we doing it? We're not doing it. If it's not fun, then why even uh, do something? You know if you if you like to if you like something and you're passionate about it, well let's 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 have fun with it. Uh, and then the second thing is, did they learn about basketball? And more importantly, do those those skills that they learn in basketball, the hard work, the dedication that you need to be a good basketball player transfers to the person that you are. And so um, in short, the good people that we've had, the great, fantastic coaches, the, the, the people will come if you've got great coaches. If your coaches are mediocre, there's no reason to come to the program. And at one way or the other, you're going to get found out um, because, you know, you can only play uh, play a role for so long and eventually somebody's going to say hey that's that's actually not how things should be done or do the, does this person really know what they're they're talking about stuff like that so just the great people uh, that we've had in the program um, specifically on the coaches side.
And what are some things that you all at Top Vital Week are doing to help kids on and also off the court? Yeah, so, uh, you know, right now, we haven't been able to play in just about a year. Um, so, you know, especially during the, the beginning months of the pandemic, uh, we would be reaching out during Zoom. We would have Zoom calls with uh, with our with our teams. And this isn't our high school teams. These are, I mean, as far as like the ones that we coach, um, this is a club where it's like you don't have to do all that stuff. But a lot of our coaches were doing that on their own, setting setting stuff up and giving them opportunities to talk. And there was just so much going on, you know, the last 11 months that, uh, you know, it was really important for them to do that. But, you know, we, we do a lot of community outreach, whether that be free basketball clinics. Um, you know, we do a Toys for Tots drive every single year. Um, you know, we, we try to give back to the community as much as possible. Um, and that's, that's really important to us. Not everybody can pay, you know, so we, we've scholarshiped a lot of kids that can't pay for our program, um, you know, in the, in, in, in the hopes of giving them an opportunity that they might not have had, because we don't want, want to let finances be the deterrent from them actually playing uh, basketball, if that's what they want to do. So, you know, there's a lot of community stuff that we like to do, and, and we don't have to publicize a whole bunch of it, but the people in the know definitely know what we're doing. Um, but, you know, whether it be toy drives or free basketball clinics or, um, you know, giving, giving, like the coaches will give uh, maybe some less needy kids shoes and things like that um, because they might not have more jackets in the wintertime. So those are all the things that we've been trying to do outside and specifically this time, this time we're just trying to be a resource for parents. It's really difficult if they're being homeschooled. Um, so we've been trying to really be proactive and reaching out and giving the kids opportunities to, uh, to be interactive because that's what people are, are, are really built for. We were built to be around other people, built to be in, you know, different tribes. And our top flight tribe is, is a strong one. And we want to make sure that it's that way um, whenever we can start playing again. And speaking of you specifically, what got you into wanting to work with kids? And where does that passion come from of just wanting to help others and not just yourself and your brand? <clears throat> Excuse me. I think, uh, you know, Chris, that's a good question. And, and we talked about it a little bit last week uh, in the other interview, but, you know, sports was one of the only things that ignited me. You know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily like school that much, but I knew if I had to, if I was going to be able to play, then I had to take care of school. My mom was very strict on that. Okay. Well, you're not going to play in the game because you didn't turn in your homework. So uh, that was that was one thing that ignited me, and so there's you know probably a handful of people that come into your life that really shape the person that you are, and it takes an extreme village. You know, it wasn't just my parents or my grandparents or you know uncles and aunts that raised me. Coaches raised me a lot. If you think about the time that you spend in practice, you know, I I would play football, basketball, and baseball in high school, and. I'm spending two hours a day, if not more, with these men and women trying to pour into you. Like, that's a lot of time, you know, and if you accumulate that for four years, like you're spending, you know, you're spending a lot of time. I don't, I don't you know, I'm not going to do the math in my head, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's more time than you actually spend at home because you're at school all day and then you have practice and then you come home. But uh, people that, you know, 
people that poured into me really ignited my passion to want to do that for other people. So many great coaches that I've had, so many great mentors that I've had, um, you know, really gave me the, uh, really gave me the passion to, to, to do that for other people. And you said that sports really ignited you. What has sports done for you in your life and what kind of life lessons have sports taught you? Sports has done everything, whether I, whether I do uh, business, whether it be education, uh, it, teach, it teaches you work ethic. You know, uh, you have to fight through adversity. Things aren't going to be easy every single day of your life. There are going to be some easy days, but a lot of the time you're going to have to find solutions. So if, you know, you're working out in the gym and you can't lift this weight, well, what is the process for me to be able to get this weight up? Um, if you are, you know, struggling uh, at the plate and you can't find a rhythm. Well, you got to put some extra reps in getting your swings in. If you're, if you're on the golf, uh, golf range and you really can't, you, you keep slicing the ball, you're going to figure out different ways. You have to find solutions and life is about finding solutions. You know, I'm a little bit short on my rent. Well, what am I going to do? I got to find a way to make sure that I can pay the mortgage. Uh, the kids have to eat. You know, it's just, it's, it's done so much for for me, and I know it, 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 does, it does the same for a lot of other people, the, the hard work that you have to put in to be just good at your sport teaches you so many of the things that come off of the court or off of the field. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just really the hard work, preparation that you need. Um, and then as a coach, like, you have to prepare too. I can't just get out there on the court and, you know, teach people how to shoot if – I don't really know the dynamics, not that I need to know how to shoot, which I do, but I need to be able to teach that. And so you have to really prepare. You have to have practice plans. Um, you, you know, in our league, in the WCAL, you got to have scouting reports. You got to know the other team in and out. It's about the preparation. If you, if you show up to your, uh, you know, math exam and not prepare, well, you're setting yourself up for failure. And that's exactly what sports teaches you. If you don't prepare in practice and you don't prepare on your own outside of practice, well, you're not going to be prepared when game time comes. And uh, that's, that's really what sports has taught me. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm completely grateful for the opportunities that have presented itself all because of sport. And the last thing I'll say on that is the camaraderie you get with other people. You're, you're, you're grinding and working with, you know, your, your friends and best friends and people that you might not even come into contact with had you not played that sport. Different backgrounds and cultures you get to hang out with on the road. Um, and it's just a, just a beautiful thing. Um, and I think sports can teach us a lot about, you know, how to live and how to care about one, of, one another. Um, you know, you rarely see issues inside locker rooms because there's this common respect that everybody has uh whether you're uh whether you're right white black uh brown whatever or you are big tall short you know whatever strong not strong you bring all these people together and they find a way to work together and uh that's what's been important for me and you touched on the playing aspect touch on the coaching aspect too but you're also a ref I know I umpired uh, when I used to play baseball as well what kind of valuable lessons can you learn from being on that side of the field as well being a ref 
because you know all these kids they get a little snarky sometimes with refs because they don't like the call um, yeah. I remember doing the same thing when I was a kid but I, then I went to the other side and umpired and I didn't do that as much because you earn a level of respect talk about that uh, your experience as well as being a ref. wow I mean uh first of all it's uh it's a lot like politics I don't know the type the type of person that wants to get in politics but they're always going to be wrong by by half of the group that's just what it is uh, and that's with referees um you know i, I refed high school early on uh you know i was, I was uh, you know lucky enough to 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 ref some varsity basketball and and uh things like that so i think i did that for three years while i was while i was still coaching i was relatively young um in the mid 2000s but officiating is tough and you got to really study your craft. I have a lot of respect for officials because there's just a lot that goes into it. You know, as an umpire, it's not just calling balls and strikes. It's positioning yourself to make sure that you can see the right, the right angle. Or, you know, when, when there's going to be a play at the plate, can you get in the direction where you can actually see a potential tag based on where the runner's coming, where the catcher's lined up, where the ball's coming in. And if you're behind the plate, you're not going to really know. Um, and so positioning is so, so important to officials. I hardly ever get upset with officials when they are, you know, really working hard or getting, trying to get in position. You know, I have an issue if they're running pat, you know, they're at, they're beyond half court. The play is underneath the basket. So they're 50 feet away and then they make the call. Well, try to hustle and get into a position where you can actually see if there was a foul or not. That's my only thing. The coaches are coaching hard. They're prepared. The kids are playing their heart out. We want the officials to be able to do the same thing. And there's a lot of great officials. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to, you know, ask you a question to see if your, you know, your knowledge is where it should be. And if you do, okay, I got, you know, or just handling what I, what I really learned is the way to handle coaches or vice versa. Now I know how to handle officials because I was one. I know how to ask them certain questions. Well, isn't that the isn't that the trails call on that one? And they'll be like, well, or or, or they might get defensive because they know it's a trails call, and I know it's a trails call, but you know the lead made the call. Um, so it's just an interesting dynamic. I would I don't like I I wouldn't want to go back to officiating. The last time that I officiated, we um, we were. We went all the way up, you know, past your area. We were up in Martinez. This was a while ago. This had to be like 15, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, somewhere in that time frame. But we were playing or we were officiating, and this is one of my best friends who ran top flight baseball with me. We're, we're officiating a team that was the same program. So it was a, they had two teams, but they were both in the championship. Um, and so imagine two top flight teams playing in the championship. First of all, I would have said, don't even play the game because, you know, our teams are both in the championship. What good is that going to do? And these parents were so unruly that it just left such a bad taste in our mouth. Um, not to mention the, 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 the official director didn't pay us for he was going to pay us that next week we never got our 300 dollars for that weekend by the way um and so i was just like and i'm done i'm done i'm done um I'm done officiating i don't i don't need this anymore and uh yeah so that was the last time i officiated 
Um, but they have a really difficult job. I respect the job that they do. Um, officials are definitely underappreciated and people think they can say anything to these people. Like if you go to, if you're in the pros or you go to an NBA game, I think if you purchase your ticket, you can say whatever you want outside of like something derogatory, uh, really derogatory. You can say, LeBron, you suck or something like that. Like that's, LeBron doesn't really care. But if you go at LeBron's family or something like that, like that's over the line. And some of these people go way too far over the line when it comes to officiating um, in the stands. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I've gone over the line coaching. Um, but I always try to go over and say, hey, it was just in between the lines and that's all it was. I don't have any personal problems with you. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want to officiate anymore. Um, but I have so much respect for the people that do. And uh, we, need, we need better officials, um, the people that really care. And there's so many that do. And how would you, I know I always tell kids that they should be an umpire or a ref because they see a different part of the game. They respect the game a little more. Would you agree with that? 100%. Um, we have summer camps every single year. And uh, we have our high school players coach. And they coach and they get to see, wow. Like I didn't become, I, I became a better player after I started coaching because you can kind of see the game open up. You become smarter. You're thinking not just about here. You're thinking about the, the, the macro perspective, not just the micro. When you're, when you're playing, you just think of this box here. But I would absolutely agree with you, Gregory. Um, putting yourself in a position to teach and teach what you know is so very important to any type of development. And let's get into some fun questions for you that we ask all of our guests. First one we've got for you, favorite home-cooked meal? Favorite home-cooked meal? Uh, I would have to say Thanksgiving. Uh, that, would be, that would be my favorite meal. I mean, think about anything that's worthwhile. It usually takes some time to develop. And that goes with life. That goes with sports. You know, Michael Jordan didn't win his first championship till he was eight years in. You know, um, LeBron, he was 10 years in before, or 11 years in before he got an opportunity to, to start winning. And then he started going every single year. Um, Thanksgiving, by far, not even a question. So, you know, whether it be the turkey, whether that be the cranberry sauce, whether that be the mashed potatoes and gravy, just uh, gets me ignited just, just talking about it now. My question is, why do we only have it in November? Let's have it like in May too. Right? I agree with you. Let's 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 have it twice a year, Greg. Gregory, I think you're onto something. We could we could do something in the summer, and maybe uh, you know, yeah, mid year. I think May is a great time to do it. Um, you just kind of just kind of redo it. There you go. We'll, we'll have make a new national holiday. <laughs> All right. The next one is we already talked about Seth and Dame, but who were your summer favorite athletes growing up, and also your favorite current athlete? Like a lot of people, Michael Jordan was uh, was one of my favorite athletes. Um, I was a big Niner fan, so Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, those sort of things. Um, my uncle was an agent, so he he represented a lot of the 49ers, like Charles Haley back in the day, who has five Super Bowl rings. So I would I would get to go to Pebble Beach and hang out with, you know, all these guys when uh, when I was young, Ronnie Lott, all those, you know, old Niner Niners. Um, 
basketball wise, I really love Jason Kidd. You know, he went to Cal, he's from the area. Also really love Grant Hill. So those two, they came in the same draft class and I and I just wanted to be wanted to be like those guys. Those those guys were outstanding. Um, and then, you know, a little bit after that, Kobe Bryant, man, I loved Kobe. He was he was just he was the remix to MJ and uh, I just loved I loved everything that he did on the court and really loved the stuff that he was doing off of the court uh, with, uh, with, with women's basketball in particular and his, his daughter and her team and, and all of that. Um, um, anybody else? I think that's it. Some of the players that I like now, I obviously like Steph. I love LeBron. Um, those two guys are, are probably the guys that I, that I really enjoy. I just like people that can, are consistent. You know, we, at Valley Christian, we have this thing called care, and we want to care for our athletes. But the first thing in care is consistency. Can you remain consistent? I want to be a consistent part of their life, not just for the duration that they're here at the school, but for their entirety. And we also want them to be consistent, consistent and showing up every single day on time, doing those, you know, the things necessary to have a long-term success. And the one thing with all those athletes is they did it for a really long time. Um, you always get a flash in the pan every now and again where an athlete might have a few really good years. But can you sustain? I mean, Carson Wentz just got traded today, and he had a really great uh, rookie year. And I think his sophomore year was excellent. And then he ends up taking them to, um, you know, to the number one seed or something like that. But he got injured, and then, you know, he's kind of fallen off. And now people think he can't play anymore. Well, He's got to remain consistent in order for that greatness to, you can't just have a great year. You've got to have a great career um, to be one of the all-time greats. So all those guys that show consistency over a long period of time, I really enjoy. And then what about your favorite movie of all time and favorite TV show of all time? Uh, that's a good question because uh, I don't, I'm not a huge movie person, but it's usually always the last movie that I watch. So uh, every, every movie that I watch, I'm like, man, that was such a good movie. Um, the Sandlot is actually a really good movie. My son watches it almost every single day. So I would say when I was a kid, I really liked that. And ironically, he likes it too. So The Sandlot's a fabulous movie, um, you know, whether you're young or old and uh, just kind of breaks it up from watching, you know, cartoons all the time. But I would say The Sandlot, um, Remember the Titans would be another great movie that uh, I remember and I enjoy. Um, but yeah, just those two for now. Oh, you just oh you talked about TV show too. Huh. Um, I don't watch too much TV uh, currently. I say one of my favorite shows growing up though was Saved by the Bell or Fresh Prince uh, of Bel Air. So th those two, I used to watch those uh, daily. I think they were back to back, like on TBS, when I was in uh, middle school and high school. So I would watch those all of the time. Can't go wrong. All four of those were all great classics. So. <laughs> Go wrong with any of them. He hasn't had a wrong answer today. No, I, uh, I I got a I got a long a lot of wrong answers. Just ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Thank you so much to Chris McSwain for coming on today in the fifty sixth episode of the West Coast Preps Podcast. Now, Chris, tell the audience where people can follow you on social media. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Chris underscore underscore McSwain, M-C-S-W-A-I-N. 
Uh, you can follow Top Flight Elite uh, Basketball and Football on Instagram. Um, I have a podcast too called Beyond the Buckets. So uh, I think we're on episode 70, 70 something. So you guys are catching me pretty quickly. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm just excited for you guys, man. The two, two young guys that are really doing some great things. Uh, and you, you really had a splash. When did you guys start? Uh, when did you guys start West Coast? So we launched on July 30th is when our website officially started. And, and, and to, to see how much you've, you've accomplished in such a short time, like that's, that's truly amazing. So uh, I, I love hearing stories like that. And you guys are going to be um, two of the best to, to do it. And the rest of your staff, I know, is working really hard. So hats off to you. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's all I got. Thank you. We appreciate your kind words, Chris. Yeah, we appreciate Chris so much for coming on and all he's done to help us, especially for answering all these great questions and giving us 100% right answers today. It might be the first time we've had that on a podcast. Maybe not all the right answers with everything in life, like he said, but who has all the right answers? Yeah, and I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you guys a quick story. So the reason why I'm able to uh, talk or come up with things off the top of my head so easily is because my first job my mom went and got for me because she bought me a car when I was 16 years old. And she says, you're going to work at the Winchester Mystery House. So uh, I don't know if you know about the Winchester Mystery House, but um, I can tell you the script today. Like, welcome to the Winchester Mystery House. My name is Chris. I'll be your tour guide through Mrs. Winchester's wonderful but bizarre 160-room Victoria mansion. The Winchester Mystery House is on the National Registry of Historic Landmark. It is also a California landmark and San Jose City landmark, number 868. Like, that is so embedded in my head, and you had to be on point all of the time because you had young kids that you had to engage, as well as, you know, people in their 70s, 80s, or 90s walking through an hour and 15-minute tour. So I thank my mom for that opportunity, even though I hated it in the, in the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just all trial and error. Winchester Mistress, I've been there a lot. I won't call out these specific family members, but all I'll say is I've had a couple of family members probably aren't allowed there again, because when I was little, I wasn't part of their tour group, thank goodness. So don't, nobody lumped me in with their terrible actions, but you know, there's a lot of different doors, a lot of different, really kind of scary spots in there. There was one tour group, they stayed behind, they went into this group, they hid behind the door. As the tour guide opened the door, they it jumped out, out. everybody screamed. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a pretty freaky place. Um, especially like when you first start working there, they tell you to go get lost in the house for like, you know, an hour. And so you're by yourself and they tell you to do it kind of like at dusk. So it's, it's, you can't really see you have a flashlight, but uh, you kind of really freak your own self out. Um, but you can definitely feel something. I don't know if that's just, I don't know if that's spirits or just in your own head, but uh, it, was, it was definitely an experience. So. Yeah. And you can open some doors where they go to nowhere, whether it's just a wall or some doors open up and some yep. falling to like down two flights. Yep, there are doors that go to there are doors that go to nowhere. There are stairs that go up to go up to go up, down to go down to go down. All of that, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, like Greg, if you haven't been there, we got to take you some time there on a tour so you can kind of get that full experience. But yeah, no, I'll definitely have to go and get the tour. Maybe I'll have uh, Chris take me on a tour since he's so good at it too. 
That's yeah. why I'm right around. We live, we, we live right around the block from there. So uh, yeah, happy to do so. But really appreciate you guys and your time. Yeah, I appreciate you. you for coming on. Be sure to follow all of our work on social media, West Coast Preps underscore. Subscribe to our YouTube page for all of our highlights, interviews, and podcasts. And follow all of our work at westcoastpreps.com. Because I'm gone. So long. I'm gone. So long. I'm gone.